This is Clutch Fans. And by the way, shout out to the Clutch fans. You're listening to the Clutch Fans Podcast, an open conversation for Houston Rockets diehards. Houston Rockets is unbeatable. I'm ready to get on Clutch Fans. Now, here's your host, the man who would have drafted Harold Miner over Robert Ory, Dave Hardesty. Welcome into the podcast. It is that time of year. The NBA draft is here. It's this Thursday. And as uh, Houston Rocket fans, we had a hell of a season, but uh, it's a bit of a disappointment going into the NBA draft where the Rockets don't have a first round pick. The last six drafts, they've had two first round picks, Clint Capella in 2014 and Sam Decker in 2015. This year, they do not have a first round pick, traded it in the move to get Chris Paul. Uh, so they're sitting with only the 46th pick in the draft. Uh, my guest today is a guy I speak with every year before the draft, David Weiner. You know him as Bema Thug. Um, absolutely a, a, a guy who knows the ins and outs of, of the salary cap and, and really studies and, and, and is a bit of a hobby for him to know exactly all the things that the Rockets could do and the type of moves that they could make. David, thanks for doing this with me. My pleasure as always. I, I always love doing our pre-draft uh, podcast. Dave. Yeah, absolutely. We always get to look back and kind of laugh at ourselves of guys we, we liked or, or didn't like. You know, the, like I mentioned it every year is that, that uh, the draft for me has always been like Christmas and it really has been uh, a bit of a downer the last several years. I mean, obviously Capella was a gem in 2014, but the Rockets have been trading away their first rounders and uh, justifiably so, of course. Um, but uh, really there's not a whole lot to be in love with because Golden State has a pick ahead of the Rockets. They have a first-round pick. Uh, you know, Philly has a handful of picks. There's, there's a lot of teams that could um, add, and the Rockets are sitting there with just the 46th pick. It's just kind of a bit of a downer because I don't, you know, unless the Rockets make some moves uh, on draft day, you're really just looking at maybe even if it's just a little bit, other teams potentially getting better uh, over the Rockets. Yeah, for the Rockets, they were always going to improve this offseason via uh, free agency uh, or possibly trade uh, and not the draft. I think um, uh, they knew going in that that to build a team the way they were building a team, uh, it was not going to be a very uh, heavy heavy component of of a championship contending roster being, uh, you know, drafted prospects. Really, Capella is the only homegrown prospect on the entire team uh, of any note. And, uh, you know, you just got to tip your hat to Golden State. Part of the reason that they have a first-round pick in the Rockets' don't is that they were able to mostly build uh, their team through the draft, admittedly with, with some high picks, but also they have a, you know, they got a second-round steal in Draymond Green several years back. And even when they weren't drafting in the top five, you know, Steph Curry was the seventh pick. Clay Thompson was the 11th pick. You know, you draft you draft well, and you don't have to go trading first-round picks for for uh, for star point guards like the Rockets did with Chris Paul. And and I should add that you know I say the last six drafts, you could probably make it the seventh because next year they're they're going to trade that first-round pick. I would think at some point this summer, 
almost almost a lock given the fact that they're probably going to move Ryan Anderson. Uh, you know, anything can happen, but I think uh, all indicators are that they will end up moving that pick at some point. Um, still, I do think even from a rocket standpoint that there is some, I don't want to say drama, but some interesting things happening at the top of the draft that I think you, you, know, you watch out for. I think there are a couple teams that could create cap room to sign Capella, a, a, a top center in Phoenix, and it looks like they're going to take Aiton. Uh, and in, also in Dallas. And I think, you know, the rumor is Dallas wants uh, Luka Doncic, who I think uh, should absolutely go to personally. Um, but, uh, you know, there's there's talk of him possibly sliding. I, I, as a Rocket fan, my personal view is I'd like to make sure that Dallas does not get Doncic. I'd like to see him take Mo Bamba, sort of maybe take them off the table as far as being a Capella, uh, a team that goes after Capella. And, and the Hawks are interesting to me as well. I think the Atlanta Hawks, to me is the, and I may be wrong, David, correct me if I'm wrong. I think they're the one team in the, in the entire league that I think is probably going to say we're willing to, to rebuild up until at least 2020. Most teams are very leery. It appears to be taking salary beyond this next year because the 2019 free agent class is good. I'm going to think Atlanta with that cap position that they have um, could say, Hey, you know, we're, we're looking long-term build. But uh, so I look at those three teams in the top of the draft as, as being interesting for the Rockets as well. No, I, I couldn't agree more, Dave. Uh, I, w- with Atlanta specifically, Travis Schlenk, their GM, I think is going to take a very patient approach to the rebuild. So I agree with you that they they they're not going to necessarily be uh, in it for a quick fix. Um, but obviously going after Capella isn't, isn't quite a quick fix because it's, it's, Capella is still very young and can grow with their core. But, um, you know, kind of along, along the same lines as you, my, my what I'm going to be focusing most on uh, during the first five picks of the draft are making sure that, that the odds of Clint Capella getting a max offer sheet from another team is minimized, and that would probably involve DeAndre Ayton going number one to Phoenix, uh, uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. going number three to Atlanta, and Mo Bamba going five to Dallas. Because I think those three teams, were, uh, if they were not getting centers, would probably be um, you know key suspects uh, to uh, of teams willing to give a, a huge offer sheet to Capella. I agree completely, and I think you know there's still that that off chance that the Rockets you know, work something out with Capella where you know they, they don't force him to go out and, make, and get a restricted agent, uh, free agent offer sheet. But, uh, you know, historically they usually play hardball with their restricted free agents, and I'd hate to see them be kind of put in that, that tough position by a team with, with max cap room that throws it all at, uh, uh, at Capella. I think, uh, you know, the Rockets, as far as their own position, it's a, it's a deep enough draft, personally, that I think at 46 you could – get somebody decent again i hate as i look through this there's guys that i think are in the 25 to 35 range right where golden state is um that i really like as far as um potential to be a rotation player eventually here or you know within the next year but i think that's the beauty of the rockets position i think golden state's in the exact same position you've already got your stars granted the rockets are are seeking a lebron james and that's you know still a, a possibility but I mean, they don't need they don't need to hit a home run here with a draft pick. You know, you're not going to at 46 anyway. But they're not looking for the all-around perfect player. I think they're they're in a unique position where they can go out and and get an athlete that they could, uh, you know, try to groom to be a role player. That's really I think 
what you're looking for. They're looking for complements to Harden and CP3. And I think there are a handful, quite a few guys out there who are solid three-point shooters or very good defenders, have great um, length, wingspan, um, and have potential defensively that could slide to there. I think there's also the, the Euro draft and stash possibility because I'll let you jump in there as far as the salary uh, possibility. And then there's also the the uh, possibility of just drafting that solid, ready-to-contribute guy who's a junior or a senior that you know that is being overlooked because the, the potential is not there anymore. He's not 19 or 20 years old anymore, um, and the Rockets might get a steal that way. But what do you see, I mean, with, with some of the, the, the situations that they have as far as trade assets, uh, you know, cash and things of that nature, what do you see as some of the options that they have uh, going into the draft? Um, well, on the, you know, the types of players that, that they might look for, yeah, I think, you, you know, you, it kind of runs the gamut. Uh, they may look for a guy to develop at the end of the roster. Uh, they may look for a draft and stash um, player. W- with the second-round pick, it's not really a big deal. Second-round picks, unsigned second-round picks don't count against the cap. So it, you wouldn't have the same issue you had with the first-round pick, who you'd need to get them to sign a, a letter in the, uh, acknowledging that they're going to be playing overseas and not in the NBA in order to move their salary off the books. That's not an issue with a second round pick. Um, as far as kind of the, the types of moves they can make, um, the Rockets still have their entire $5.1 million maximum cash allotment um, for this past season. They didn't spend any of that money uh, over the last 11 and a half months. Uh, so, Hypothetically speaking, the Rockets could could buy a pick or buy their way up the draft. Um, two reasons why that may not happen. Number one, um, they may want to hold on to that, even if it's a an infinitesimal chance that there could be a LeBron James type of trade that happens on June 29th or June 30th that they would need that cash for that kind of move. They might want to hold on to it. I seem to recall someone, I can't remember who, someone I know complaining the Rockets didn't deploy their cash in last year's draft to buy a pick to get like, oh, Jordan Bell. Yeah, um, what a clown and, that uh, dude was. It, it turned out they were saving that cash to buy up all those non-guaranteed contracts and to and to use some of it in the Chris Paul trade. So, um, so th- that's one reason. Another reason, which much simpler reason, could be that Look, Toma Fertitta is, is going to be paying a massive luxury tax bill next season. Pretty much any iteration of this offseason playing out, the end result is going to be a team that is, is going to have an excessive payroll, and Toma Fertitta is going to have to pay a large luxury tax bill. And he may just not want to spend cash where it's not going to be, it's not going to help the team that much. And just keep that money and know that he's willing to pay just a little bit more luxury tax next year because he didn't spend the cash during the draft. Um, Now, one other option, and it's kind of a bummer for people tuning into the draft trying to see what exciting player the Rockets add, the Rockets may end up doing what they did with their second, second of two picks in last year's draft. They may just trade out of the draft entirely. Um, I could very well see – the Rockets trading the 46th pick of the draft for a future second-round pick. Uh, <laughs> Which is the, ironic, the right, because the pick yeah. they have right now is one that they did last year. That's They traded away 45, I believe, last year for this pick now at 46. Exactly. And the reason they did that, well, I mean, 
at least for the fans, you got to see them draft Hartenstein and you got to see an actual person um, yeah, being drafted exciting. by the Rockets. But, <laughs> but the, but the reason they, they made that trade last year is that they wanted to kind of roll over their, their cash of future assets. And especially if the Rockets are looking to trade multiple future first round picks, they're going to need additional assets in the, in the kitty for them to be able to deploy in trades or if they're left without a bunch more first-round picks to have some sort of future draft assets. So it's possible that, that, that they just trade for a future second-round pick because they've already traded their own second-round pick next year was one of the picks involved that they traded for Pablo Prigioni. And for the record, I will, I will do that trade 100 times out of 100. It's only for his Game 7 performance against the Clippers in 2015. So I have no regrets about that trade. <laughs> well, you know, I uh, I think there are some teams out there that have several picks. I don't think – I'm not sure Philly's going to want as many as they have. I think they've got uh, a few – I think 38, 39 Philly has. I think Atlanta has – they have Houston's at 30. they got 33 as well. Um, and I believe they're – I can't remember if they have – yeah, they have 19, I think. And so then, of course, they have the third pick of the draft. So that's a lot of uh, – players granted they are rebuilding but that's um a lot of picks there for one team in one season all those things you've mentioned are, are distinct possibilities i can see the rockets just getting out of the draft not even wanting to add any salary even though as you mentioned second round pick not as big of a concern um but oh, I, and on that point dave, on that point dave um from a salary cap standpoint a salary cap and luxury tax standpoint no player could possibly cost the rockets less than a second round pick rookie because um, second round picks, second round pick rookies count as the rookie salary for luxury tax purposes. All other minimum salaried rookies count as a two year veteran for luxury tax purposes. So it actually costs more. If you were to sign an undrafted free agent and pay that player the minimum, it actually costs you more in luxury tax than your second round pick would. Hmm. So from a if, you, if if as long as you want to put a rookie on the on the roster next year, a second round pick, and that could be who, whoever they take at forty six. It could be Isaiah Hardenstein, um, you know, someone whoever was drafted with a second round pick would actually cost the Rockets less towards the bottom line. On that note, kind of you talking about the the salary situation, I think it's kind of. Uh, we we have to speak about the Ryan Anderson situation potentially moving that. I mean, we know all about the LeBron uh, the LeBron possibility and and how Anderson could get involved there, finding that third team, etc. But I think it's going to be such a uh, a team friendly market on the free agency wire that it's going to be so tough to move big salary. I mean, we've already seen a couple of rumors. I think both of them have been shot down or or have been overblown. One of them being that Denver was looking to move the 14th pick in a, in a deal to get somebody to take Kenneth Fareed. And I think he's 10 to 12 million a year. And that's for one more season, which seems unlikely. And that, that rumor has been shot down. And then of course the other being Memphis yeah. at four with Chandler Parsons and Parsons makes about 4 million more than, uh, than Anderson, but has two, you know, similar two years left, I believe on his deal. And I think they're just looking to move 
down possibly to get somebody to take Parsons. But still, it gives you kind of a, a gauge on what it's going to be like to move salary. There are a lot of teams that want to move contracts, and we know the Lakers want to move Luol Deng. Uh, Parsons being another just waste of, uh, of cap space. And, uh, you know, Ryan Anderson, you could you could judge that or grade that, but that's going to be another one, and there's just not that many teams with, with cap space. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm, I also heard that the, the Denver rumor was was uh, shot down, and, and for good reason. I just think the 14th pick is way too much to give up for just, I think, 12 million and an expiring contract for Fareed. So I, I don't, I never believed that. And then, um, yeah, the the Parsons deal, the 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 fourth pick in Parsons. I think from what I heard, Memphis was just looking to move down like a couple of spots like from four to five um, and trying to get someone to take Parsons deal, which is uh, a, a much worse contract even than Anderson's. Um, but yeah, it, Anderson, it, it's going to be hard to move that contract. I mean, I, I'm sure the Rockets have already, uh, you know, scoured the field and to see what, uh, yeah. what yeah. options they have. And, and I'm sure they've been given a, you know, they've been given a price that's probably steeper than, the, than they'd like to pay, like to pay. Um, my guess is it's going to take two first-round picks to get rid of Anderson. I think the Rockets are hoping to, to come up with some sort of package of one first and multiple seconds or you know a second and the draft rights to my favorite player, Sergio Yule. Um, <laughs> something like that. To, yeah. to some package of assets that would equate collectively to a, for another first-round pick without actually having to give up that second first-rounder. It's going to be tough to find a team to take it, though. But I do think uh, Sergio Yule would have um, a little bit of interest from a handful of teams that are completely rebuilding. You know, I want to throw a couple ideas out there because I know you'll shoot them down if there's even the, the smallest little <laughs> hole in there. But, uh, you know, one of them being Atlanta because they're going to have a ton of cap space and I think that they're looking long term as well. I still wonder about the whole flip uh, Anderson for Baysmore and, you know, maybe you're moving your 2019 first round pick and that, you know, just that or maybe even less because the, the salary is is similar. Uh, and the reason I think that is a possibility, you say to yourself, well, you're not saving any money. You still got that luxury tax bills. I think if you bring in a Baysmore who you would look at as rotation worthy, uh, you know, against a Golden State. And let me just say that's my only barometer, my only gauge. I think we all know that the Houston Rockets, at least in this past season, were certainly better than every team in the league in the West, better than just about, you know, by a good margin, uh, just about every other team. Um, it's really, you know, it's how you face against Golden State. Who can you add to this team that you can play against Golden State? Because that two-minute stretch of watching Ryan Anderson guard Steph Curry is just burned in every Rockets fan's head. I think if you're able to do a deal like that, where you flip salary for salary um, and maybe give up a small asset to do so, then you and I hate to say this, but somebody else becomes expendable. Maybe it's Trevor Ariza. Maybe you know I don't think Baysmore just steps into Ariza's role, but you know maybe it's Luke Mbamute. Maybe even Eric Gordon if you're you're um, you know looking at some other deal. That's one. The other one that just keeps coming back to me over and over again is uh, Iman Shumpert with Sacramento. One year left at about ten, I think ten to eleven million dollars. Some sort of deal involving Anderson and Shumpert, and then of course you know Anderson plus assets. Um, I think that mitigates it a little bit, makes it so you don't have to give up so much. I think anyone who's taking Anderson on 
outright into cap space is going to have to be rewarded handsomely. And like you said, two first-round picks at a minimum. And that's what you'd be looking for in a three-team deal if you got a LeBron. But if you don't, I think those are a couple of possibilities that pop into my head. No, I think both are, are credible possibilities. Um, I, I'd be curious to know what uh, Atlanta's front office truly thinks about Bazemore's contract to see how much it would take to, to make that swap. The Shumpert thing, I, I, I think, is very real. The, the Rockets um, explored possibly trading for Shumpert um, uh, last off season, so at least there was at least moderate interest in him as a player. Another possibility might be, I don't think I've seen a player on another team go to Twitter to bat for the Rockets more last this, over the past 12 months than Jared Dudley in Phoenix. He's <laughs> yes. another guy who makes $10 million next year, would be an expiring contract. That's maybe another option along the Shumpert lines of, of disproportionate salary and uh, those types of deal where maybe you can get away with Anderson and one Anderson in your 2019 first-round pick in exchange for that salary. I think you might need to throw a little bit more in there. But, yeah, those types of trades, I think, um, could be options later in the offseason. But they're not going to look at any of those until they have exhausted every avenue to get LeBron James. Yeah. You, you know, Shumpert is the one who just comes back to me over and over again because, you know, Dan Tony drafted him when he was with the Knicks. The Rockets have come for him a couple of times, made a couple of attempts um, I think he's a guy that they could play in that in against the Warriors, a guy who could fit that that um, mold. So that's some, something that I think comes to mind. And of course, Ryan Anderson's from Sacramento. Not that that it does anything for Sacramento, but uh, just it is the team that was willing to give him even a little bit more than the Rockets were uh, back in 2016. Um, you know, of course, the LeBron rumors are still going around. I did find it interesting that uh, yet yesterday ESPN just made it all through their shows about Houston. Now it's like suddenly on fire, LeBron James to Houston, simply because Woj uh, said that Chris Paul's making that pursuit, and so it, it lit up all of their little talk shows. And you know, we've been talking about this for a, a good while. I, what did you make though of the whole LeBron James is touring schools in Houston this past week? I mean, the the rumor, the little buzz going around on the board, on the Twitter, uh, and nobody's able to produce a single photo. Well, first things first, I think he should send his kids to St. John's and not Kincaid. <laughs> okay. Um, but, uh, sorry, it's alma mater reference. Um, uh, but uh, I actually think, uh, I believe Chris Paul's kids go to Kincaid, so that, that makes sense. Um, but eh, I don't get caught up in all that drama. I mean, uh, what's going to happen is going to happen and I'll let other people obsess over who's showing up at what school or what shopping mall. But I mean, obviously LeBron's a smart guy. He's going to weigh his options and he'd be stupid not to do some sort of due diligence about the possibility of, of moving to Houston. Um, I mean, the Rockets could have a 5% chance. It'd still be worth his time to explore and do his due diligence there. Um, I also find it humorous that, that everyone's going crazy, you know, shocking revelation that LeBron's best friend wants him to play with him and is going to try <laughs> to get him to come to his team. I mean, we, we've been, I, that's what I'm saying. We've been talking <laughs> about this forever. I mean, I think, you know, those, those two are, are, are very tight. Everybody knows this. We've been talking about it all throughout the board. And then suddenly that one little comment by Woj lights, you know, everything up. I, to me, you know, the, the newswire, and I just, I, I don't know. To me, I guess I get a little bit cynical on how that whole uh, setup works. But, 
you know, it's still a possibility. It's still out there. I didn't make much at all of the rumors. I, you know, I, I'm a cynic at heart, I guess. I'm, I want to see some sort of proof, and I, I'm, I'm open-minded to, to seeing, you know, that maybe it's possible that he's out there. And I will say, I had a couple of random people, people that I don't know, uh, that seemed very sensible, that would reach out to me and say, hey, just, you know, I, I did hear from, you know, such and such person who works there and that he was there. And, and you know, you'll hear little rumors like that, and you're like, thank you for letting me know. But, um, you know, there's just... I, I did speak with the school. I know people want to say the school is just going to obviously shut it down. But it's to me, it is very clear to just say, hey, we don't discuss any visits or anything. That does not that's not a confirmation of, yes, he was there. But no, they were very clear. This is just a, a, a rumor that's being thrown around for whatever reason. It's not true at all. And and I, I tend to believe that until there's actually some sort of um, evidence and proof but you know it, it still was interesting that you know lebron james was visiting bridgeland and all these different places that were uh getting mentioned on twitter yet you know nobody could come up with a single shred of evidence that it actually did happen um the draft so that's what we really want to discuss here and it, you mentioned possibly moving up do you see some teams i think i threw a few out there that are candidates for uh, you know maybe selling a pick or you know swapping a pick with the rockets if they do look to move up I mean, I think you touched on the the most obvious or the the most likely partner or the the team most likely to deal a pick will probably be Philadelphia. They have six picks in the draft, in, um, including four second rounders. Um, the, their two best second rounders are 38 and 39. Uh, they also have two very very late second rounders, which they'll probably pick some European guy whose name we couldn't pronounce if we tried. Uh, to stash, but my guess is they're going to look to trade one of the, at least one of those two early second rounders. So if the Rockets wanted to move up from say 46 to 38, if there's a guy they really liked, um, you know, maybe they buy the pick for straight cash. Maybe they, they, you know, they trade up, but for, from Philly's perspective, they probably don't want that 46 pick. They're trying to move the pick because they have too many picks in this draft. Um, you mentioned Atlanta is another possibility. Um, I, my guess is they're going to hold on to all their first rounders. Maybe you can get a second rounder off of them, but, and then there's teams that maybe, maybe just don't, they want off their early second round picks. I, I don't see the Rockets trading into the first round. That's why I was just about to ask um, you. You think they a, could take a guaranteed draft? You think they could take a guaranteed contract, even though it's at the, if they was the back half of the first, you think they could do that? Is that possible? I mean, only I think if someone they had really high on their board falls to the late first round. And it, from, I mean, from what I can surmise, and, and, and I, ad, admittedly, I have not followed the, the prospects and watched all the prospects quite as closely as I have in years past. From what I understand, once you get to about the 15th or 16th pick, it levels off big time. And you might be able to get a guy at 46. That is that uh, you know you, the same guy you you have pegged as your 22nd guy on your board you might fall to 46. That that there's a very large pool of players that's kind of that are kind of all around the same. So if that's true and if that's how the Rockets draft board is set up, I don't see them spending a lot of money uh, or committing to a guaranteed contract for a guy who's probably not much better than the guy they'd expect to fall to 46. So I know you mentioned that you know you weren't uh, you know 
really following the draft as much as you have in past years, but I know you have looked at a few prospects that, that kind of uh, you like for the Rockets. Who's you know one throw a name out there that you that has been intriguing to you, whether he's 46 or just outside of 46, somebody you think would be uh, a real help to the Rockets. Um, I'll give you a couple of names. Um, one's uh, Javon Carter, uh, point yeah. guard from West Virginia. Uh, he's been drawing a lot of Patrick Beverly comparisons. Uh, defensively, absolutely, he's the, probably the top defensive player in the in the draft, um, at least from a college pedigree standpoint. Um, a real pest like Beverly will get right up right up in another opposing point guard's grill. Uh, cover him for 94 feet. Um, probably doesn't have quite the level of athleticism that Beverly has, uh, which I think made Beverly a better prospect coming out of Arkansas a few years ago. Um, but he's a good, just a defensive tool alone. Um, would I'd love to have him. I'd love to have him on the Rockets. He'd be great kind of end of bench point guard. He can, you know, play a lot of minutes with the Vipers, but then you could probably call him up and he can you know play a, a handful of minutes here and there and just pester the opposing point guard uh another guy i like um is uh devon hall from illinois um most likely a shooting guard in the nba but he probably a little bit small four two um good defender good three-point shooter kind of a, a three and d type prospect who has a little bit of a more well-rounded game uh, my guess would be if he was somehow able to play meaningful minutes for the for the Rockets, he would probably be standing in the corner shooting corner threes, and uh, and then you know ding up kind of a poor man's Trevor Ariza type thing. But he has the potential and the kind of a more well-rounded game that he's cultivated at Virginia. Um, that there's some upside there, but he seems to be pretty low on a lot of draft boards. I don't see why. I think he's had a lot of production at the college level, and I think he'd be a, he could develop into a nice role player for a good team. Interesting. You know, uh, Javon Carter's on my list in, in my top three for sure. I really like him a lot. I I watched a lot of his clips. Um, I agree with the Beverly comparison, though. <clears throat> one thing I will say when I watch Carter, even though he looks like he's uh, a guy who's a little bit more uh, plug and play. I, he does not look like he's got quite the wingspan. And I, and I had looked it up, I believe it's about a four or five inch difference in wingspan. He just looks a little short, maybe a hair short armed, but he's, you know, as you mentioned, a terrific defender. Um, I think he could fit in as a fourth guard uh, type for the Rockets that could play in a switching defense and could hit, knock down some three point shots. He's, he um, was strong from three point range last year. So he's definitely somebody I think that would be good at 46. Uh, I got to tell you, my my probably my number one um, is is probably going to go before the Rockets at 46, but that's Melvin Frazier out of Tulane, who I think his combine performance probably put him out of the Rockets uh, range. But I think he has potential to be really good defensively. Um, I think he's about six six, uh, over a seven foot wingspan. Um, I, I really like what I see from him. I think he's um, energetic i think he could really fit in uh to what the rockets are looking for i think honestly dave from you know mentioned that whole warriors thing i think shooting is obviously huge and it has been probably my number one the past um you know several drafts looking for shooters but it's defenders now to me i mean you want both right a guy who can do both 
but I would rather take a guy who has measurables of a Kawhi Leonard and, and have him improve as a shooter than take a shooter that you just cannot play on the defensive end. It's just that it would just hurt you too much to play them against uh, Golden State. So to me, I, those are the type of players that jump out. Uh, DeAnthony Melton's going to go ahead of even Melvin Frazier. He's going to go late first round. I think he looks really intriguing to me. Uh, not a terrific shooter, but an absolutely outstanding defensive player. Uh, good size. Um, he was, you know, had some trouble with at USC, which I think um, this past year where his eligibility was in question, he didn't play. I think he's a guy um, who intrigues me for the Rockets. I'm, I'm a little worried, honestly, about Melton or Frazier going to the Warriors. Um, I think the Warriors are going to have a better bench this next year than the, than they had this uh, this past season. Um, and another guy uh, who who he's not, you know, I, I would say he's not in my top uh, three, but Amari Spellman, anybody out of Villanova intrigues me right now. Jalen Brunson is a, a guy I think could be a very solid backup point guard for the Rockets. Uh, but Omari Spellman looks like a guy who could be solid defensively, not great, but has terrific range for a big, um, could definitely play stretch four. Um, and another guy I think that uh, intrigues me a little bit is Justin Jackson out of Maryland. He's got the measurables uh, to be a very good defender in the league. I think he is somebody that, um, you know, had a bit of a disappointing season because of an injury, um, but as a freshman was was considered an elite prospect probably would have been a first round pick last year for sure. So I think he's a guy who has the kind of upside that I think uh, interests me as a Rockets fan. And those are, those are some good names. I, I, I obviously the Rockets, if, assuming they're taking a player to keep the player, they're all, they're always going to take the best player available regardless of position. But man, I'd like to see them draft a wing, maybe a guard, but I'm tired of drafting big men. We get, we had Onowaku, we got Joe Chi, we got Hartenstein, we got all these young bigs. Be nice to get a young wing. Um, and, and as much as I like Javon Carter, I'm, I have to openly wonder whether the Rockets view guards as as a as a as a group as something that that they could probably get outside the draft, either undrafted free agents or. Um, you know, through cultivating in the in the G League, you, you know that that seems to be a really good uh, testing ground for young guards, and you can kind of call one up for a 10-day contract and get a caliber of guard the same as you would find if you drafted him in the mid-second round. Um, but I, I'd love to see a wing. Uh, Justin Jackson, I agree, is another good uh, good option if they want to go with a, like a combo forward type, and uh, along the same lines of Jackson is uh, another, I mean, local product uh, from out of Kentucky, Jared Vanderbilt, who had uh, some foot problems, is, is a big injury risk, but this is a guy who was a potential lottery pick coming out of high school uh, who just didn't have a very productive freshman year, and if they want to just take a flyer on him as a, a, a lottery ticket who maybe could pay off big but, you know, could just as easily be a bust. You know, it's interesting you mentioned some of those things because I think that debate at the top of the draft is going on as well. I mean, you're seeing bigs like Aiton and Bagley because obviously they have enormous potential, but you're still, you know, I, I think maybe some teams are still a little slow to catch up to what we saw was success, which was clearly the Western Conference Finals, the Rockets and, and the Warriors, and it, it appears that's the future, but it seems teams maybe are a little bit slow to to jump to that. I think guys like uh even Kevin Knox, uh, Bridges out of um, Villanova, uh, 
those those guys maybe are going a little bit lower than they should just because um, you know bigs with with potential are still being taken over wings who can slide down to the four and stretch the floor and um, I don't know it's interesting to me I think the Rockets at least they're not in a great position in the draft at 46 but they know what they're looking for they know what they need uh, and that's those type of as you mentioned wings guards who can switch at any and guard any position and uh, you know slide down to the the post if needed let's just hope uh, not too many other teams realize that <laughs> well, we know the Warriors well. That's that's the uh, a big one. I think that um, you know, like I said, concerns me. It's one of the one of the picks in this draft that I will be watching very closely. What does Golden State do post draft signings? Any guys you think may go undrafted that you'd like to see this the Rockets scoop up? I think obviously every year they're busy trying to do that, but I think they've brought in guys like they did with Robert Covington uh, by by guaranteeing a little bit of money. Yeah, so uh, last year the Rockets, well, the, Covington's the most notable example of an undrafted guy. Two seconds after the draft was over, the Rockets were throwing money at him to get him to commit. Um, and last year they did that with Cam Oliver out of Nevada, uh, who a lot of people thought could have been an early second-round pick, and he, and he slipped out of the draft for some reason. He was, uh, in my opinion, probably one of the the best players who who went undrafted in last year's draft at the time he was. Uh, and they offered him 300,000 guaranteed um, because that, that's less than the rookie minimum. They can offer up to the full rookie minimum fully guaranteed if they want. Um, I think this year, given the luxury tax concerns, the Rockets may be less likely to make an offer like that. Um, and if you're one of the top undrafted players, you're probably going to hold out for a deal kind of like Cam Oliver where you're getting 300000 400000 guaranteed. Um, my guess is the Rockets are going to try to find undrafted players willing to sign to a two-way contract. Right now they have um, R.J. Hunter is still under contract on his two-way deal for next year. It doesn't mean they have to keep him, but I, I think they may hold on to him. And I'm guessing Markel Brown's not going to be back and they're going to look to replace that second two-way spot with an undrafted rookie. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see whether they can get one of those top undrafted guys or whether they have to kind of wait a little while while the better deals you know, flutter away. Um, but if they can get a guy like Devon Hall, if somehow, way, he goes undrafted and they can get him on a two-way contract, I'll be over the moon. I think those types of deals, I think – some of the guys we talked about may go undrafted because I think the way the second round under the current CBA, the second round is going to start evolving a little bit where you always have, there's always like seven or eight European guys you never heard of to get drafted because they can be stashed. Similarly, I think you're going to see some guys jump up into the second round who were maybe like not quite draftable caliber players because they agree in the pre-draft process with teams that they will sign to a two-way contract and players willing to do that will find themselves called on draft night in the second round. And some of the guys that are better than them may fall out if they refuse to do something like that. So we may see some pretty good undrafted players, but the reason they go undrafted may be the same thing that keeps the Rockets from being able to grab them up real quick. Hmm. You know, another guy, another name I'll throw out there, at least as far as, I don't think at 46, but possible 
just you know as a, a, a you know if he goes undrafted, being Billy Preston, guy who went to Kansas, didn't really play there, and then went overseas, um, was a a top uh, prospect coming out of high school. He's intriguing to me, little bit of Terrence Jones feel to me, and that he's like this sort of uh, physical freak. I mean, he just looks, you know, he's about 6'10 and strong and runs the floor, but not a brilliant defensive player. So, you know, I think that you'd, you'd hope to develop him. Uh, still, I think he's around 20 years old. But, you know, that's somebody who jumps out to me as a guy I'd like to see them sign. There's, Like I said, there's a handful of guys out there. I mentioned Jalen Brunson. Uh, Shake Milton is at least somewhat interesting to me. Uh, Isaac Bonga, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, is at least a prospect, uh, you know, a very big, tall uh, guard, but I'm not sure defensively. He's... I'm guessing he would be more of a draft and stash prospect, so you probably need a second-round pick for him. Good point. Um, you know, Landry Shamet, very good shooter. I'm not sure he's defensively the guy that you want, but I think he, 43 to 44% from three the past two years, uh, that's a guy I think who could at least um, – fit in uh, with you know the Rockets' three-point style. Before I let you go, uh, the draft's going to be interesting, and we're going to have uh, a little draft party over at uh, your place, which should be fun, and we have it every year, and uh, uh, it's always a great time. I'm looking forward to it. The Rockets want to bring Luke, bring Luke Mabamute back. It's probably going to take the taxpayer MLE. Is there any way you see them using that, given how good the Rockets were, a 65-win team, and pursuing somebody else. I mean, we mentioned guys like J.J. Redick, um, who, you know, it just made a fortune in one year with the with the Sixers. I can't see him coming here for just over $5 million. But, would you know, is there better value to be had than Luke at that slot? I mean, you never know. You know, if you had told me going into last year's free agency that we'd get Balmute for the minimum, I would have said, wow, I, I you know, that that would not be something I would have expected. I would have thought he would have gotten the taxpayer MLE last summer. It, it very well maybe they have to spend that on on Balmute because you know while the lasting memory is going to be him not able to make a shot because of his shoulder injury, he was a huge part of the team and a huge part of the team's success uh, last last regular season. And guys like that are gonna are gonna get offered the taxpayer mid level. So I I, I hope and pray that they could appeal to his sense of charity <laughs> and that uh, they could get him either on his non-bird um, at his non-bird max, which is about 2.8, 2.9 million, or possibly taking the veteran minimum again, which is about 2.3, 2.4 million. Um, but I'm, I'm not holding my breath on that. I think uh, if they can do it, great. Um, if not, you know, I I have to just you know tip my cap to to Luke and say you you earned it. And this is the this was our only option to pay you close to what your market value is. Yeah, I still there's just a there's I'm moving all the puzzle pieces around and I, there's just something that still doesn't quite fit. If Tillman is and I know t- everything I've heard is that Tillman is absolutely willing to spend this year. He's not fearing the tax. But there is not a, a sensible owner alive that says yeah we're willing to pay an extra you know. 40 to 60 to, to 100 million, whatever, whatever the number ends up being, for just holding on to Ryan Anderson. So I think obviously, if you get LeBron James, you know, and you move the future assets to to move out Anderson, then this is moot. I mean, I think Tillman's just probably going to be happily paying that, even though it is rather uh, expensive. But if he doesn't, 
and then you're you're looking at trying to improve this team while bringing everybody back. Uh, you know, every time I move a piece around, something just doesn't quite fit. So if they bring Luke back with that with that uh, taxpayer MLE, bring Ariza back, um, something's going to have to give. I, I, I tend to think one of those guys, whether it's Luke or Trevor or possibly Eric, um, is is going to be gone. And you know they're gonna and they're gonna move Anderson out for something that replaces one of those guys. Again, I, I just don't think that they can keep all those guys back at a at a high salary and pay that kind of tax, given that Anderson is fairly worthless to you, uh, in, in pretty much most situations, but definitely against the Warriors. Um, I, I will say this: if they if they are not able to pull off a, a monstrous LeBron James type of trade where they need Anderson's salary. Don't be shocked if they don't trade him this offseason. Because remember, the luxury tax for next season is not determined until the last day of the regular season. So it's possible if the big holdup and the reason why teams demand two second or two I'm sorry, two first round picks for Anderson is because he has so much money left on his deal and so two full seasons left on his deal. They could possibly wait until the trade deadline next February, move him for an expiring contract then. If they haven't used their cash allotment for next season by that time, they could throw a bunch of cash into that trade too. And by that time, when you throw in the cash and the remaining salary commitment, you're probably looking at only having to to use one first-round pick. That's interesting. Get rid of him. Yeah, so you're saying like, Move him for, I mean, not obviously into cap space, but maybe you're talking about a Shumpert or or somebody who's half that salary. Yeah, you move him. You know, you you go from from 19 million down to 14 million, which has a huge, that's a big difference when you ca- calculate the luxury tax difference. And so maybe you're dealing with a little pain there, but you know you're holding. You might be holding on to that that extra first round pick hmm. um, and still saving some money. Yeah, good point. I appreciate you bringing that up because I, I hadn't really considered that. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously I knew that the, the tax situation was assessed at the end of the year, but I, I didn't really think about how they could move that around. Obviously, with salary matching purposes, um, you know, like you said, big big savings on tax, um, but you know, not huge savings on the cap right there. Maybe maybe you save five or six million, but in the tax bill, uh, a rather big savings. That that could be that could be another you know twenty five million. Yeah. Okay. That's uh. Yeah. So that's a good point. I, I just. It's definitely going to be an off season. Um. An interesting off season to watch. I think there's a lot of things that could happen, but it's like as you mentioned, it's possible they're bringing most of those guys back and just making a couple of tweaks here and there. Um. But it, you know, given that the, to add a decent player just in an outright signing, the taxpayer MLE is all they have. That's what I'm watching, and I think whether it's Luke. Well, I, I I think you'll see some. I think you'll see probably at least one guy signed for the veteran minimum with the Rockets where you go, huh, wow, didn't think we'd get that guy for the minimum. So <laughs> don't be shocked that they add some some piece for the minimum where it's a guy who might be part of the rotation. David, man, I appreciate you doing this. This uh, The draft's, like I said, always fun. I wish the Rockets had a little bit better position to be in to, to make improvements, but uh, really the – the exciting time is going to be, uh, you know, after this. And and tell me, correct me if I'm wrong. The draft's the 21st. You have what eight days before LeBron James has to make his sort of opt-in decision. Is that right? That's right. And I'm guessing he will not have made that decision by Thursday night, which means the Rockets are kind of having to keep their uh, 
keep their powder dry in the off chance that they need to do something eight days later. And if he becomes a free agent, I mean, even though, yes, it's technically possible the Rockets could do a bunch of maneuvering, do you pretty much at that point cross the Rockets off the list? I mean, do you say to yourself that's not probably not going to happen? Um, the, I don't want to say absolutely not, but the chances go from small to infinitesimal. And the only way to do it then would be to, to, to gut the roster. But for, for what it's worth, if there's any player you gut the roster for, it's LeBron James. <laughs> Good point. David, thanks so much for doing this. We'll be back uh, after the draft and uh, discuss how things went. Sounds good. Looking forward to it and see you on Thursday.